you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Stopped worrying, worrying how the story ends. I let go and I let God, let God have his way. That's when things start happening, and I stop looking at back then. I let go and I let God, let God have his way. Hey, how you all doing or whatever? It's been a while, it's been a little while, hopefully not too long, but it's been a while. I wanted to check in with my people. If you don't know, you are listening to Surviving Fundamentalism. The podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, will have a problem with this shit. My name is Richie X. Uh, I am a retired uh, ordained minister, and I might have some, not retired, (laughs) lapsed, (laughs) lapsed clergy, darling. Uh, I am queer. I am non-binary i am pansexual i am autistic level one i am also someone who uh has uh adhd and i'm here before your listening ears with all of those intersections (laughs) to have a, a a chit chat with the people on today I'm glad to be in the number one more time. Truly, I am. Truly, I am. Uh, recently, I was on a uh, podcast with my f- uh, new friends over there at uh, Reclaiming the Garden uh, a podcast, available everywhere podcasts are found. Um, we had a uh, I'll call it an introductory uh, session over there. Um, hopefully, I'll get to be on again, and they'll get to do uh, so much more of the talking. <laughs> um, I made mention earlier that I was like, "You, you guys have to have me on uh, because I, I need you guys to ask me questions. I want to have more uh, time to uh, just talk in general about." who we are, where we are, and um, the ways in which we are deconstructing, um, and more about this deconstruction journey in general. Um, I believe the last time I was in your listening ears, we had a conversation, a quick conversation about uh, Come Sunday, the movie 
um, that tells Carlton Pearson's experience about when he stopped believing in hell. Um, and we talked about uh, the importance of hell in the church. Um, and how without it, uh, essentially, the churches would be empty. Um, and how the church needs hell and how my little quick uh, survey of asking people would they still be where they are if there was suddenly no hell found that 99% of the people that answered uh, pretty much said they didn't think so. <laughs> um, so I found that to be really interesting. Um, I'm not surprised by the, you know, the, 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 I don't knows and, um, all of that. The I don't knows, the I don't think so's, I'm not surprised. Uh, only one person in my little survey said, well, actually, <laughs> uh, you know, I would. And I was like, oh, wow, you're such a earnest woman of God. <laughs> um, drinking some water over here. My throat is a little dry. But I was like, yes, woman of God, you are so earnest. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm not fully sure what I'm going to talk to you all about today. There's a lot going on in the world, and I don't intend on being before you long. But uh, you can check out my friends over at Reclaiming the Garden. You don't have to listen to my episode if you are a regular listener to this show you can um you might already know most of that but if you aren't or if you came from over there uh welcome thank you so much for tuning in to surviving fundamentalism uh, the podcast where if your god ain't bigger than your bible then you gonna have a problem with this shit uh and so i'm really glad that i got the chance to 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 just interact with them and i'm really glad uh, I'm really happy for all the people that have come over to to kind of, you know, follow and understand this journey a little more for me. Um, you know, I talk regularly about all of those intersections and how how they have played such a major role in my life uh, growing up and, and, and navigating that world. Um, oftentimes I, I feel, I wonder what my life would be like, um, if, uh, the church, uh, had not played such a major role in my life. You know, if I had been given the tools of therapy, if I had been diagnosed earlier, um, you know, and, 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 and if I had been given certain tools where I would be in my life and how much further emotionally I would be rather than uh, stunted or, or struggling with some arrested development. Um, and so I, I, I do think about that often, um, you know, but uh, here we are. Living in a world where I 
someone who was on the debate team for so long and and did model United Nations and model Congress and all of that. I never in all of my days thought that I would see the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, and I, and I've, I've, I've had uh, some apprehensions about speaking on the topic, um, mostly because um, I, I just saw a lot of uh, angry white women and I found it very interesting because uh, many of them will not be those who will suffer because of this. Um, but it's something that uh, suddenly affects them. Uh, but when the black infant mortality rate is as high as it is in this country, um, when, we've, when we've seen the sterilization of, of black and brown women, uh, in this country by the U.S. government, the taking away of uh, black and brown children uh, into these uh, boarding schools and, and, you know, the ways in which uh, black and indigenous people have been treated in this country. I think there is so much more of a conversation that we could be having that does not involve white women in a Handmaid's Tale's costumes. And part of the reason why I never made it beyond maybe the third episode of the entire series was because it was so unrealistic to me. They literally took the experiences of black and brown women and put that shit on the television with a whole bunch of white women in funny costumes. And I was just like, this is, this is not, it's just not realistic, honey. Um... But that's where we are. It's where we are. And it's very difficult to feel, I think, the to identify with the white woman fury that is kind of taking over the internet. Everybody is so passionate. And, and, and black folks are just living their lives, right? Like, we're upset. But we've been new. <laughs> we've been new. So I'm 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 legit just like I wanna f I w I wanna feel you. I w I wanna like be you know, I feel like I should be more angry and more impassioned. But I don't have it to give. Um many of us don't have it to give particularly for causes that suddenly affect white women. How many white women voted for Trump? How many white women do you know voted for Trump? How many friends did you lose? How many people um, were on Beyonce's internet literally saying the, we're sick of government as usual. Maybe we should have a failed businessman as our new president. It would be something different because he's outside of the institution. I saw a video earlier of, of, of Hillary Clinton discussing uh, how the representatives, uh, that these people were, were, were literally chosen deliberately they were placed in these positions to get this done 
um, and how it was intentional, essentially, right? And so, and this has been something that they've wanted to do forever, and that no, nobody should be surprised. Um, and 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 I just, it's like the rest of white America is waking up to the parts of 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 of. of the the parts of America that we've always known existed. We've always known it existed. And I think many people wanted to believe that after the election of of Barack Obama in 2008 and again in 2012, um, that we would see... Um, we wanted to believe that, that we, that, that this, that our world was different. Um, I knew the moment Hillary Clinton dropped out of the original race for president, uh, the first race for president, I knew we were doomed. And I know you liked Barack Obama. He's fine. Okay, he's fine. He's attractive. Um, I'd fuck him. So I know you liked him. I did, you know, I thought he was cute. Um, his family was beautiful. I thought he was smooth. Old Barry. Although I knew up under all of that he wasn't that smooth anyway. But, you know, you know. Uh, I thought he was smooth. And I thought he was intelligent. But I knew that he was not um, going to be what so many of us felt that he was going to be. I know we thought he, many people thought that he was going to be the change. And I don't know why, because nothing about his politics said he was going to be the change. The only thing that I think felt to most white people, particularly white people who do deem themselves good, is that he was black or that he was identifying as black, right? He's a biracial kid who always was very honest about um, and open about that experience, um, never wanting to erase the part of his family that was, you know, most present in his life, his grandparents, his white grandparents, his white mother. Um, and, you know, he wanted that those that part of him to be known, right? And not erased. And I think his policies and his... He really... What he did was woke up the deaths of monstrous racism in this country it always was here it always existed but he woke up the underbelly of a nasty disease see i grew up in the late 80s and 90s and um i remember when them people down in texas uh drug that black man on the back of that pickup truck for miles as his body just ripped apart. I was there. I remember. 
I remember when those police officers beat the dog shit out of Rodney King. I remember the pain of that experience. I remember Latasha Harlan. Um, I remember those things. And I remember the way that they affected me. Um, as a small child, understanding my blackness, understanding very early on, particularly as someone who is neurodivergent, who is autistic. I was telling my therapist this the other day, today, um, I remember many times where my mother would pull me to the side because, of course, I, I don't often know parameters and shit. So my mother would pull me to the side and say, you cannot tower over a white woman like that. You could end up dead. You know, and, 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 and that was something that just has continued to come to life again and again and again in my, you know, in the latter part of my life. So Barack Obama definitely did. His presence woke up a deep underbelly hatred of the Negro in America. Um, there's a great book by ta Coates um, that's called We Were Eight Years in Power, an American Tragedy. It's on Audible for those of us who's, who have gotten to the point where we need uh, audiobooks, we need books to be read to us, or we read and we read along with the reading. I do all of that. Um, uh, you know, it's also, you know, of course, available in hard copy cover and paper cover, wherever, Kindle, uh, get it. Amer uh, we were eight years in power in American Tragedy by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, also, if you have not read a must-read book by Ta-Nehisi Coates, is uh, um, Between the World and Me. I've read that book probably six times. It is one of the most impactful books that I have ever read in my life. It is, it changed me. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is one of my favorite writers and I've read everything that he literally has put out. Um, but yes, we were eight years in power. I mean, American tragedy. And he talks about all of these things about this, these eight years in this presidency um, and what it really was for us, right? It, it never was the change we needed. Because when it stirred up that old, rugged, antebellum hatred for blackness, for black joy, for black love, literally, it was as if there was a beast awakened that came out of the ocean and covered this nation but it was always there it was always there i know so many uh, white folks who deemed themselves good believed and 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 you know before recent times that that part of our society was over it is not and it's not over because you cannot get 
over centuries of war against the black body. Rape literally gutting women, black women, as they were uh, used for the study of gynecology in this country. Literally using black soldiers in a study refusing to treat black men in a study uh, on syphilis. Very, 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 very interesting history. So much history of abuse of the black body in this country. Abuse of people of color in this country. And you do not get over it. And the one thing that white people in this country want so badly, more than anything, is for black people, indigenous people, to just get over white supremacy. Just get over anti-blackness. Just get over um, anti-indigenous rhetoric. Just get over it. But you know who they never tell to get over it? Jews. Jewish people. But everybody else has got to just get over it. Never having gotten a goddamn thing for it. They literally took our programs out of our schools that literally licensed and gave black children in the inner city trades, taught us trades. They got rid of the programs. They closed the rooms down, pulled away all the money. rezoned the neighborhoods. They did this on purpose. It was intentional. Those Negroes don't need that anymore. Closed down the high schools, forced them all into one space, and instead of creating institutions that could help and fulfill the needs of these students in these intercity neighborhoods, they further pulled resources from them, allowing them to virtually crumble. And many white folks moved to the suburbs so they didn't have to be around it when the shit just blew up and imploded. Let them niggas kill each other. Let them do what they want to do. Whatever that is. Yes, we will we will bust the drugs in, just let the niggas die. And then create laws and racketeering cases and all kind of shit so that we can bust them niggas and lock them up and throw away the goddamn key. Addiction, lock up. Drugs, lock that bitch up and throw away the key. Because we don't give a fuck. And this is America's sins. And I want you to know that, that, that these white institutions, this, the American church, 
play a major part, a major part in everything that is happening, that has happened in this country. Everything. When Brown versus Board of Education was passed, do you know that thousands of Christian schools were opened during that time out of reluctance to send their children to the schools with them same black folk? They started Christian schools. Catholic schools were packed to the brim. Pack them in there and keep them away from the Negroes. Pulled away. Once they did that, once they pulled the kids away, then you pull the taxes away. Then you get rid of more and more jobs and infrastructure, sending them overseas, leaving them to computers, whatever the case may be. Get rid of it all so that they can never build wealth. Continue to raise the cost of living while ensuring that they their homes cost more, that their mortgages are literally uh, inflated balloon loans and all kind of other shit to keep them paying way, way more than white folks were paying. Keep redlining this shit. Keep rezoning this shit because we... Don't give a fuck what happens to them. They shouldn't have wanted to be equal. So they pulled away all the resources and said sink or swim, nigga. And the reality of it is, is that when you get a one Oprah, you get a one Jay-Z, you get a one Beyonce, a one Rihanna, you get people who will say they did it. Why can't you? Holding them up, dangling them, because that's what capitalism does. It dangles the slice of pizza and says, you all can have it. You just got to want it bad enough. And everybody's starving. And it allows, it removes the barriers occasionally for one person at a time. But you got to dance, nigga, dance. (laughs) You got to shuck and you got to jive. You got to move and you got to ride, baby, in order for you to be able to get it. And especially so you can keep it. And that's the truth in this white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy. But the institution of the church has played a major role in all of it. A major role in all of it. When you think about church history and you think about the way religion, the way fundamentalist religion has been used in this country, these white folks really believe that it is their God-given right to kill people, even though the book they claim to believe says thou shalt not kill. But it also literally gives imperialist ideas to God's chosen people. And these 
dusty-ass folks really believe that they are God's chosen people. And because they took every goddamn thing they got by force and have been successful, for the most part, at taking these things by force, at ruling by force, at maintaining a, 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 a fucking global uh, 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 imperial, you know, a global empire. They believe that God is with them. And they say, God bless America. I'm proud to be an American. Well, at least I know I'm free. I remember we had to sing there for Veterans Day when I was in college. The gospel choir. And I just felt so foolish. Where at least I know I'm free. Free to die. Free to be mistreated. That's that's just about it, you know? Um, it's so interesting. So, so interesting. The way these things have aligned um and uh i'm gonna uh take a break grab some water you grab some water listen to these commercials and and uh, i'll be back after these messages one of the best quotes i've ever heard on this subject is from Rumi. he said yesterday i was clever so i wanted to change the world today i'm wise so i'm changing myself I think perfectionism is something we don't understand very well. So what we think it is, is we think it's being our best selves. The opposite of perfectionism is striving for excellence or healthy striving. Perfectionism is actually a defense mechanism that says to us, hey, if you look perfect, do perfect, and accomplish perfect, you can avoid or minimize shame and judgment and blame. So perfectionism is not about striving for excellence or being our best selves. It's how we self-protect. So have you ever gotten that feeling when you're going to start something, you're like, oh, God, this has got to be perfect? So I think... I think the question to ask is, what am I afraid of? There's a great Aristotle quote. If you don't want to be criticized, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Most of us choose not to live that way. No one can contribute what you can contribute but you. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. To surviving fundamentalism. Y'all already know the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you're going to have a problem with this shit. Mm-hmm. This one. It's so interesting. We've been talking, you know, talking a lot about the real, the real deal, Holyfield. And, um, which is really just the, the state of this world, the country, that we live in, you know, the, the crazy thing is like, I hear a lot of like American Christians, uh, you know, they're constantly obsessed with persecution culture, with this idea that they're going to be persecuted. It's been that way since before I was in church. This idea that one day somebody's going to come to you and say, you believe in Jesus and hold a gun to your head and you're going to say, yeah, and they're going to kill you in this country. It's so funny to me, like the obsession with that. Um, because there's a part of me sometimes that gets so angry thinking about um, the condition of the church and how 
much not like Christ it is. Um, it's not at all what a institution that is representing a God is supposed to be, would be like. And they believe that de deeming themselves holy and and superior and godly is the the way of God. But the scripture says that that the righteous shall scarcely make it in. These people are nothing like Christ. And the term Christ means to save. It means uh, uh, to save. And so these people are nothing like Christ. They don't want to save. They want to control. Especially, especially white fundamentalist people. Especially the way they have linked that shit to their God-given rights and God-given authority and masculinity and the ways in which they've tied it all together. The ways in which white women in middle America have connected their identities to this as well and tied their identity. Let me tell you something. I've, had, I, I've navigated a significant amount of white spaces in my life. And I've had um, a lot of white girlfriends. And I've watched them literally make themselves small for husbands. I mean, imbecilic husbands, fools. Literally, I got one girlfriend she met a man with a whole bunch of daddy issues and a fucked up family. She was a virgin, Catholic girl. She got with him, married him. Well, no, she dated him for a while and got engaged to him, moved him in her mama's house, put her name Put his name on all her credit cards, raised his credit score, up literally upgraded him like the Beyonce song says, and um, married him. And whenever I start talking about white supremacists, male capitalism, misogyny, all of that, she goes into this thing. Well, not my dad. Well, my husband isn't like that. And my dad isn't like that. Baby, you lost in the sauce. So many women I know, so many white women I know that are married to, to these toxic-ass men. I saw so many of my girlfriends linking up with these toxic-ass motherfuckers um, in 2016. They had these husbands, and their husbands was, was, was pro-Trump because, you know, that whole Trump gave them back a white identity. A hoorah, he man, woman haters club, you know, identity, a freedom to be and a freedom to say what the fuck they wanted to say again. 
Because they couldn't do that shit for a while because, you know, Barack Obama was in office and they needed to pretend to be happy that somebody black had made it to the highest political position in this country. But underneath was brewing a resentment because they did not realize that electing Barack Obama even though it was a cool thing to do, they did not realize that it would fuck with their egos and their issues and their egos and surrounding blackness. That they would then internalize these feelings of less than. And it wasn't cool to be white anymore. Because Obama was cool. And he was fist bumping. And, 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 and the women were talking about how fine he was. And he had the rappers up in, in the White House playing basketball. And he was real smooth. And Michelle was fist bumping people. And Michelle had all that ass. And they didn't really like Michelle like that either. Because she felt too strong. And the fact that she had been Barack Obama's boss before she married him. Also made her like, who the fuck is this strong ass you know, rough-ass black woman, as so how they interpret blackness, particularly blackness um, in femininity, right? And so this is what you have emerged, is these white men who are feeling a kind of way, they're feeling a thing, and there's nothing they can say. And then you have a person like Trump that comes out who's not PC, who's, who's illiterate, who's, who's not well. Literally, probably, you know, also neurodivergent, just has a lot of money and never got any real help uh, and just literally just blurts out shit. And they're like, oh, my God, this, <laughs> this, this is it. This is who we want to follow, because if we follow him, if we make him the new thing to strive towards, because he's anti-establishment, so we're going to put him here and we'll give white men who want the freedom to say and do and think whatever the fuck they want to say, do and think without repercussions. And he's our guy. And the church folk, the Christians, just hinged. They hooked their faith on the back of that pickup truck and said, bitch, we going with y'all. Right? God, faith, you know, white life. <laughs> you know, this is what we want. We don't want erasure. And it's crazy because nothing about Obama was erasure for white people. Because he did nothing for us. He did nothing for black folks. And a lot of black folk realize that now. It's crazy because a lot of white folks was feeling ego issues about his presence. And, and baby, he ain't did shit for the Negroes. Y'all didn't even need to be mad. <laughs> Y'all didn't even need to be mad. Y'all didn't even need to go and get a Trump. You could have elected somebody else better than that motherfucker. 
Anybody. Somebody, anybody. Um, shit, you could have, Mitt Romney would have been a better goddamn president than fucking Donald Trump. But you needed to hinge their faith, they needed to hinge their faith on the back of this fucked up prairie wagon out of nowhere with this, <coughs> with this fool on it. Child, the devil ain't want me talking about Trump. I done fucked around. I start choking. I had to get me some water. But that's what they did. They hooked it on. And they said, this is what we're doing. We're throwing it on. Because the church, the institution of the church, was dying. In 2021, it was announced that the, the, the church... Numbers have fallen drastically. Basically, in 2020, you know, there was already a mass exodus of people leaving the church, particularly the young people. But what we see is this, you know, the numbers are steadily falling. And the Christians are in need of something to hook their coat onto. So they hop on the tail of this bandwagon attach their Christian identity with this uh, white supremacist Trump train. Also, you know, tap in their masculinity and then have the women talk about how they want to be so feminine, but how the liberals was trying to demonize them for wanting to be feminine and have a whole bunch of white babies with a racist, fucking, undereducated, weirdo, stupid-ass man. Because y'all know. Y'all know all them, a lot. so many of them fucking racist men are weird. They're fucking weird, and they be in them chat rooms talking all that weird shit and, and getting them fake profiles and commenting all that weird shit. And, I, and you know their houses stink. And you know their fucking inside of their fucking truck cabs stink. And they barely wash their ass or their fucking feet, nasty motherfuckers. You already know it. We all know it. We all know it because we see their wives making little TikToks and shit about how their drawers got a shit stain all up and down the middle and in between the toes. Yep, you know it. And so what we constantly see um, is these people, they are hinging. They are literally... Literally hooking this shit onto the back of this truck. And 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 that's what they're gonna ride. That's what they're gonna ride into this next wave of Christianity. They needed this. They needed this. There was already an exodus. Then the pandemic happened. They're losing money. They're losing everything. And so they've got to have an identity. And why not attach that identity to Americanness? Why not in, attach that identity to imperialism? Even more so. Whereas a lot of churches, particularly non-denominational churches, have pulled away from these sort of racist imperialist ideas. And they were headed towards, towards these to, to a new way of thinking. And we found that many of them, because of the pandemic, in their own fear of death, and, and, and the, their persecution complex 
and the weirdness around the whole pandemic have literally sort of sort of deconverted back into uh you know this bullshit but like i said it's it's they done woke up this beast and it's spreading like wildfire we saw so many people when when the supreme court overturned roe versus wade so many christians the man rick warren who wrote the purpose-driven life that shit was like eat pray love for for christian people it the purpose-driven life he came out thanking the supreme court for saving millions of unborn americans and he was virtually a fucking secular author back when that whole series was out you had this happening constantly um and 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 the people just watching them get up there and thank uh you know scotus for for this uh talking about how they've corrected uh their course of history and it's 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 a moment to rejoice for many many christians but it's so funny because when i think of their god when i think of the god that they serve he is a war criminal he is bloodthirsty killed children for fun killed people for fun killed people of color gave the jews the authority the calling, the wherewithal, the my God is bigger than your God and I came to take your territory. A lot of the imperialism that we see from the U.S., from Israel, modern Israel, we see in the scripture. A lot of these ideas about, you know, proud American conqueror, the greatest military in the world, all of that, that is all based in those same identities, right? These, these identities of people being chosen of God, the chosen people of God being in the wilderness for 40 years and 40 nights, Joshua leading the people into battle, leading the people around the walls of Jericho to literally until they fall until he conquers territory, taking women, raping them, killing them, raping, pillaging, stealing, all in the name of their God. And white Christians have hooked on to this authority using all of this, this, this scripture, all of this as, as backing, taking it in, because that's what fundamentalism is. Right, that's what biblical literalism is. Taking this shit and making it yours. The whole idea of, of, of Christianity in itself is basically usurping somebody's whole other religion, just taking that shit. Just taking Judaism and just throwing your own spin on the shit. And and this is what we're seeing. And this is the problem. Um Thank you so much for listening. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism. Once again, I am Richie X, the right Reverend Richie X. Um, 
And I'll talk to you soon. So long, farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.